Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm joined by Sarah Olesky, senior host and producer for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Sarah, thanks so much for for coming on the show. I've been a, such a big fan of yours uh, for for so long, and obviously with the, the Jets returning to Winnipeg and and being a fan. So um, thanks so much for for taking the time and coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Um, I just want to ask you a little bit about your career, and I know uh, you know you have an, a very interesting kind of career arc, I guess. Just talk about when did you first think about pursuing a career in, in sports journalism? Oh, Alex, it's really all I remember <laughs> wanting to do. So I'm very thankful that it's worked out because I don't know what else I would have been doing. Um, you know what, from the time I was young, in fact, I've run into some people over the years that I'd gone through junior high or high school with, and even back to junior high days, they say that they remember me talking about it. Mm -hmm. So um, it was always that I wanted to be in sports broadcasting. Uh, growing up, I used to watch a lot of, I mean, hockey, but a lot of football in particular, which is where it started for me um, with my dad. And I would see there'd be sideline reporters or times hosts that were on site. And I thought that just seems like the coolest job that they yeah. that they get to be there at the game and you're you know, you're kind of right in the hustle and bustle of it all and you're talking to the athletes and and so that was where it started about wanting to be able to uh, pursue that as a career and so I went to I grew up in Winnipeg um, mm -hmm. and decided when I graduated high school that I was going to go into uh, I was going to go to university and I looked at the communications programs that were available across the country and originally was looking at going east and then decided instead to go west. And your two options, um, at least at the time for communications degrees or degrees with majors in communications were at the University of Calgary or Simon Fraser. And I thought, well, if you're going to go west, you might as well go all the way west. So <laughs> I went to Simon Fraser and while I was there, um, started working with their sports department and then got into television through some people that I had met through that connection. Um, and then that was kind of the way that it all began. But no, it was always it was always the dream to be able to be involved with it. I always describe myself kind of as a tomboy growing up and loved okay. being in the gym, loved playing sports, loved watching sports. So um, that I just thought it was a kind of a natural career path for me. And, and what was it like when you were able to to become a sideline reporter and, and just like working in the industry, like what, what did that feel like for you? Oh, tremendous. Um, you know, it, it was great. I started in local television in Vancouver, um, originally behind the scenes producing back, back then many moons ago. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was great back then because local news had really lengthy sports, um, segments, which they obviously, I mean, you're lucky if local news now even has sometimes, sports but back then I want to say that maybe it was a 12 minute 15 minute segment that yep. had and so it was producing was producing that and then um got it got moved in front of the camera but really my sideline career started when it was uh, when I joined TSN in 2008 to mm -hmm. be a part of the in particular the Friday night football crew for CFL and it was tremendous. I mean, you just, the energy, there's nothing like the energy of being at a live sporting event, mm -hmm. um, as many people know. And so, especially when you're down at the field or um, in the case of football, or if you're ice level, I mean, it's just, it's an energy unlike 
unlike anything else. So to be able for me to be able to look around and see that I was having the opportunity to mm -hmm. live out that dream is certainly something, uh, something very special. I'll kind of ask you a bit about the behind the scenes, like when you are on the sidelines, like what is your process? How do you kind of bring the stories to light and, and just do your job? So with football um, in particular, I mean, you're, you're, this, you're just, you'd go in with a number of different storylines. So there is a tremendous amount of preparation that, you know, you might use 10% of what you prepared for, but mm -hmm. Um, you'd go in with knowing obviously the different storylines that existed in the, in the game or different storylines that you were hoping to be able to highlight. And I'd always have, I'm a big believer in, I always have a notebook, um, with me. Yeah. I, I very old school in that sense. Everyone, it's the same thing. I've got, um, a day book that I keep all of my, <laughs> my, or it's like, even I've got one right here. Wow. So while yes, I know that the phone allows you to put things into your calendar, I like to just write it out. So for me, um, I find that writing everything out really helps me retain it because I don't, I just go into autopilot if I'm typing. So I need yeah. to physically write things out. And um, so when you're on the side or when I was on the sidelines, I, uh, I mentioned I would go in with storylines. We knew that for CFL, we would try to do one sideline hit uh, a minimum per quarter. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it would be dependent upon the game. Sometimes you, it would the way the game was going, you wouldn't be able to get in. Sometimes you would get in more often, and and it would be a very reactionary um, comments that you would be making or stories that you would be telling. And so it, you just kind of. Uh, you know, you'd watch for what was going on in the game, see, especially because you do halftime interviews. So want to be able to make sure that you were able to be following with what the major storylines are that were in the game. But what also helps with that is that you'd have your earpieces in so that you can hear the commentary that's mm. going on in the booth. So that helps a lot um, as well, because sometimes as great as it is to be on the sidelines, which it is. Um, you don't always have the greatest vantage point of things. So sometimes, obviously, and you don't have the benefit of being able to see replays, that sort of thing. So to be able to hear what they're talking about in the booth helps a lot in being able to pick up on things that you wouldn't necessarily be able mm. to see from yeah. down there. And so that's the way that it goes with it. It's it's sometimes there's downtime during the game where you're just watching and and taking everything and then other times you know it's 30 seconds left and you're standing we would always speak huh. to the leading team going into the half so if it's tied and a team is driving you're kind of stuck in between both okay. sides going which side do i run to this so i always joke that while it was great for fans and the game if it was coming down to the last mm. second or it for me, I always liked it if it was maybe a couple minutes beforehand, so that at least you you knew where you were supposed <laughs> to be. Um, but it is, yeah, it was great and it is, but it's always it's always busy, and then there's always the different weather elements that you have to deal with as well. Yeah. So it's one thing when it's beautiful weather out to be watching. It's another thing when you're trying to watch and it's pouring rain or it's minus 20 out and and you're freezing cold and trying to not only your pen doesn't work so and I'm the type as I said for me to be able to retain stuff I've got to really write it down so all of a sudden you start looking going, oh I can't remember because you don't have the stats right in front of you your phone isn't necessarily working and 
Um, yeah. And then trying to articulate, articulate yourself when you've been standing outside for four hours and minus 20 is not the easiest thing <laughs> in the world to do. Um, and of course you obviously covered the jets as well. Um, what I guess I feel as a Winnipegger yourself, just, uh, I feel every Winnipegger has a, where were you when moment when, uh, the jets came back 2.0 style, just what was that moment like for you to, what do you remember about the jets coming back? And then you actually realizing that, oh, I'm going to be covering this team. Uh, well, it was great because, um, I very much wanted, I was living in Toronto at the time and I had said to my bosses that if a team that obviously there had been tons of speculation about the NHL returning. And I said, if a team moves to Winnipeg, you have to move me back to Winnipeg. Um, my husband's from here as well. We had a very young daughter at the time and really wanted to be back around family. So um, when it looked like it was getting closer, they actually sent me back here and I just pretty much set up shop, just waiting and waiting in case something uh, finally happened. So when the announcement officially was made on uh, May 31st of 2011, I was down at the Forks in downtown mm -hmm. where everyone was set up. And it was, to be honest, it was really emotional uh, for me because it, I just looked at what it meant. I can cry. I fully admit I can cry pretty easily. Um, but to tear up when you just see what it meant to the city and the fans that had been through so much. I mean, I remember what it was like when the team left. Uh, but to see it come back and to just see that raw emotion, there's just something. It's different to me than when a city gets a franchise for the first time. There's mm -hmm. excitement, but it's just you haven't had necessarily that pain that um that the fan base had had here and so it was just it was pure jubilation and the roar of the crowd it kind of reminds me of when the you saw the fans cheering and the reaction when the bombers finally won the yeah. great cup um just that release that they had was just really was really emotional so um that's where i was for that and then i got word leave shortly afterwards that yes I could open up the bureau here and so we'd be moving back and I've had the good fortune of being able to cover this team one of only a few people that have covered this team since day one and um it's been it's been great not many people get the opportunity to do this and do this in their hometown no less everything so it's been something that I've certainly uh, appreciated throughout the years Obviously, you're you're now working for the Jets, but just what memories do you have at, at TSN, especially covering the Jets, that kind of stick out for you? Oh, I mean, so many. Um, the the first, I mean, the first game of them playing against the Canadians, the uh, that season opener was just walking around the concourse and walking around outside. It was a gorgeous uh, day in October and. I'm not one that usually walks around the concourse or walks around um, outside, but I really wanted to take it in and just see what it was like. And it was great. It was just, again, it's that energy that live sporting events provide that you just don't find anywhere else. So mm -hmm. that was great. The first time that Tamo Solani returned, got choked up with that one because that was, he was one of my favorite players um, when I was growing up. The, um, 2018 playoff run, that whiteout, being able to look out the window and see, I remember being on whether it be the second or third floor in the arena and looking out the window onto the whiteout party that was happening on the streets below and 
again, there's just, it's that jubilation. It's just that, that excitement that exists around them. And um, so things like that are certainly uh, what stand out to me a lot. Uh, I also remember with that 2018 run, what also stands out to me always is travel, to be honest. Oh, really? <laughs> so okay. I always have the travel stories of, of going, because that's where some of the best stories always happen, right? So as great as it is when you're in the rink and there's so mm-hmm. many great, that great moments that happen, but there's so many times too where you're stuck literally running out of a scene, you know, you look like you're in home alone and you're running through the airport trying to make a flight because you're on all these ridiculous connections trying to get either you know to your destination or home to Winnipeg to be able to continue to cover. So the 2018 uh Playoffs certainly provided. Nashville is not the easiest city to get to from Winnipeg, the quickest. Um, neither was Vegas, actually, for that matter. So, <laughs> so um, it's things like that 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 I remember. Um, you know, I'm not the type that typically remembers games. I just remember mm. more moments, whether it be again with colleagues or interviews with players or or various things like that. And with that, you had a quite a memorable send off from TSN, especially mm-hmm. with the Bombers. Just talk about that. I know you got very kind of emotional and, and talk about. I just... told you I cry. I'm a crier. That's okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. It was. You know. I despite. I always say to people, despite my career choice, um, and doing what I do, I don't actually enjoy being the center of attention. I don't believe that the broadcaster should ever be. It's always about the players. It's about um the games it's about the stories that exist them and we're just we're that vessel to be able to tell it but it shouldn't be about us so it was very uncomfortable to have all of that spotlight um put on me and but looking back on it even though we're only you know a year and a half removed from it particularly that final game it was just it it meant a lot you know um I had had such tremendous I'd had the riders in my final game in uh, mm. Regina, they had given me uh, a, a farewell on the scoreboard. Same thing with the Stampeders. And you just, there's as great of as it is to cover the NHL, there's something so special about the CFL. Um, I covered it from the moment I got into the industry. So there were so many, the vast majority of coaches that played in the league I had covered as players. So you just, mm. you have this, these 20 years of, their relationships or memories. And, and I was able to connect with the fan bases, I thought really across the country. And they're just such a special group um, of fans. So for, for both fans, as well as um, players and coaches within the league to um, give me that sort of send off and say the kind words really meant a lot, because sometimes, you know, you just, you don't really realize that, I don't know, you just downplay what it is that Mm -hmm. they do. And so to be able to have that, um that recognized because I I gave it my all right like I just I spent as, as I said I spent so many years covering it and um to be able to see that people recognized how much love I had and how much appreciation I had for the game the league the fans I never took it for granted um it was something that really meant a lot mm-hmm. and how how was that transition from working for TSN covering the Blue Bombers and, and the CFL and obviously just now working for the Jets. How big of a transition was that for you? And maybe talk a little bit about what made you make that decision. Well, a big transition in some ways, not because I'd always covered the the team. So, you know, there's all the players that have been drafted from 
by the Jets. I've covered them since their first days in the organization. So it was very familiar in that sense, but it was certainly a transition. I didn't miss um, setting my alarm for 4.30 in the morning, trying to catch flights <laughs> for football. <laughs> but it was really, it was difficult because as I mentioned, I mean, my love for the CFL is so great that to not have that as part of my daily life anymore was a real adjustment for it. The first Grey Cup was really hard to watch. I um, I took my daughter to the Bomber home games this past year and sitting in the stands was challenging because A, I felt really, I felt uncomfortable cheering because you never cheer mm -hmm. when you're uh, a broadcaster. So it felt odd to cheer. And then also I felt because I had so many relationships with people um, on the other teams, on the visiting teams that I go, oh, well, you know, I really want the Bombers to win. It's great, but I really want player X to have a good game. <laughs> and, you know, if the, if both could happen, that would be great because I'd feel, uh, yeah, so I'd feel a little bit bad about it. And I'd always be watching. I would never be watching as a fan. Um, I was actually joking with some of the, one of the crews um, around the uh, banjo bowl and I went into the production truck and was talking to them and I said it takes all my willpower to not text them during the game to say did you see that this is happening on the sideline just so you know this isn't you know this isn't his <laughs> usual routine or this is out of the ordinary so um yeah it's hard for me to just watch because I always I just um old habits die hard with yeah. it and I still you know those that's those CFL crews in particular I mean those is very much so where we're families. And so I want to have, I want them to have the best broadcast possible and, um, and have success with it. So if I see anything, it's still, it takes a lot for me to not, <laughs> for me to not <laughs> let them know and to just sit there, but yeah. it was good. You know, this was the first year that I've ever been able to be home during the summer. Um, wow. my daughter's a teenager now, and I was back on the road two months after she was born. So wow. it's, um, so it was it was certainly a change, but it was something that I was excited for a new opportunity, which the Jets gave me just in terms of different different things that I could work on. Um, so that was exciting. And then again, the opportunity to be home a little bit mm -hmm. more um, really meant a lot to me and uh, was important for my family. I've really enjoyed the the runway and then the home ice kind of features oh, good. done and and just maybe talk about what goes into that because some of that's a kind of interviews and and more feature stories. What do you like about that and maybe what makes a good interview? Okay, so that's um, for those that haven't watched it. So runways are I'll start with runway. Runways are behind the scenes series that was started last year, but we've kind of evolved it a little bit this year in its second season, which I am loving. Um, so the episodes are roughly let's go about 14 minutes in length and we're following the and we're following the team throughout the season. Last year, which people can still go onto the Winnipeg Jets YouTube channel and catch the episodes from last year as well, because they are they are great episodes. But last year they were a little bit more self-contained, um, whereas this year we're following throughout the season. We've incorporated both player and coach interviews. Got his mic'd up, and um, it's just it's great. So it's the whole purpose of it is to give fans obviously a behind the scenes look and a glimpse into and a connection with this team that they wouldn't get just from watching broadcasts or from um, just the daily media coverage. And I think that that's something, regardless of whether or not you are a hockey fan, if you're really, you're a sports fan, we've really seen that shift where 
you know, the way that people not only consume media, but what they're looking to learn and see about their favorite teams or athletes is feel that connection with them a little bit more as people, not just as players or as athletes. So that's what we're striving to do, because I think that there's so many, there's, this is such a likable team. I will say that I think this is probably the most likable team, if you were to go from top to bottom, that the Jets have ever had. And so what I love is that it's hardly it's my responsibility to and job to be able to help create that connection and to show people what a great team this is, how great these guys are. So that's what the runway episode, uh, the runway episodes are about. And then there's Home Ice, which is an interview series where I'm speaking with players away from the rink. Um, that was part of my deal. I said, I don't want to talk to you about hockey. It's great. And some, as we know, some are obsessed with hockey and only want and yeah. are happiest when they're discussing their game. Um, but not everybody wants to be, or not everybody is a Mark Shifley yeah. because we know how, much he, say loves, how much he loves it. Absolutely. Um, but it, I think it's important again, to be able to get to know the players a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we're out in the community with the players in various spots that they have a connection with. Uh, we did a great one with Adam Lowry at mm-hmm. the dog park, uh, which featured his dog, Banks um, as well, which I learned afterwards from the feedback that I got that really people thought it was a feature about Banks. <laughs> so I joked with Adam, I said, you happen to be in it, but it's become very clear. <laughs> you are second on the billing to Banks. Um, but yes, yeah, so we just, it's just talking about things besides hockey and just mm-hmm. fun interviews. As I mentioned, I think there's a lot of great personalities um, on this team. So it's just an opportunity to talk about something with them besides that. So we're just about to have um, our fourth episode come out. We've got one coming out with Dylan DeMello, but cool. there's Adam Lowry. We've already done Josh Morrissey, Morgan Barron. Yeah, Dylan DeMello is about to come out. And we've got one with Nikolai Ehlers that we're shooting as well. So again, it's it's just to give people a glimpse and and something other than just talking about how the play on the ice uh, is going. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I'll pump your tires a little bit. I know for, for many people, you're definitely an icon, just even with the, the send off uh, that you had at uh, TSN. But also, I think for a lot of women, um, they strive to be and, and look at you as a role model. Just what was it like coming up in the industry as a woman? And and maybe what advice would you have to young women trying to, to come and uh, join the, the hockey industry as a journalist? Well, it certainly changed a lot. I mean, when I was growing up, I never really looked at, uh, I can't think of a lot of women that were at least out in the field. I mean, the more traditional role for a female would be to be as a, an anchor um, or a host for it. So it didn't really have that, but it was, to be honest, it wasn't really something that I ever thought about Mm. a lot. You, You did see it more in the States, didn't see it as much in Canada. But I had such great mentors when I got into the business. Um, I, so I started in Vancouver and I've throughout my entire career given so much credit to the group of reporters and journalists that are out there that really took me under their wing that kind of, I don't know if they, they viewed me almost as the, as the little sister uh, mm. coming in. So they really watched out for me and and it was tremendous for it. So, uh, it, but I've seen it change a lot through there. Um, and I never truly appreciated until 
I mean, the last few years, just the just how much of a difference representation really does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always, you know, even though I've always tried to think of myself or hold myself to a standard where someone could look up to me, um, just in general. So I said, even when I would have mothers say in the city, and I'd have moms that would come up to me and say, Oh, my daughter, I just love it. My daughter loves watching you on speed. And I think so great because as a mom, I know how almost picky (laughs) we can be, how judgmental we can be in the types of people that we want to have as role models for kids. So I think it's really um, important. And I think that it's, what I hope is that, you know, young girls, and if you look at, say, in the city of Winnipeg, I hope that young girls look and go, wow, she was fr- she's from here. Originally, she went out, she's done all these things. And look, I can do it too. Because that's always been my thing. I grew up in a family in which we were always told, you know, if you want to do it, okay, so how are you going to go out and, and do it? Mm-hmm. Um, we were never told that we couldn't. You just is so that's why when even though I didn't see a lot of women doing what I was doing when I started, it just never occurred to me that I couldn't do mm-hmm. it. It was it was I remember one point my mom saying, Okay, well, you know, what's your backup plan going to be? Because there aren't a lot of these jobs. And I said, Yeah, but someone's gonna have to do it. <laughs> so I mean, they're hiring someone for it. So why wouldn't they hire me for it? And that was just kind of the um the approach that I took with it all the time. And so, but with women coming into the industry, and this actually doesn't even apply to women, this just applies kind of across the board. The landscape of the industry has changed so much. Obviously in the this places that so many people would go to to get experience when they were first breaking into the industry don't necessarily exist anymore because you don't have all of the sports departments and the small markets for people to cut their teeth. But there's, so you have to be creative, I think, in in a lot of ways. No, but there are other avenues to get seen, whether it be through podcasts or uh, various ways to get social media to be able to get your face out there and um, and almost that idea of your brand or or some experience with it. But what I do think is, and I always recommend to people, is to get experience kind of across the board when it presents itself. Don't think that just because you want to be on air that you aren't going to look at an opportunity behind the camera because this industry very much is about relationships as well. And the experience will help you across the board because now you have to be multifaceted. You can't just be the person that's in front of the camera because there's lots of people that not only want to do that, there's lots of people that have a ton of experience if you're trying to break in more than you. So I always said, well, if someone tells you, you know, be that great teammate too. If someone says, hey, you know, we need this done or running cable, okay, go and do it. I mean, I'm happy to, I'm fine with running cable at the point in career I'm I'm in now, if it means it's all about the greater good. Um, mm-hmm. But again, if the opportunity presents itself, don't don't pigeonhole yourself to just say, okay, I can only, because this is what I want to do, I'm only going to do on air. Build those relationships, get that experience, because I think in the long term, it'll pay off. Well, that was very, very well said. I have two last questions before I let you go, uh, oh, Sarah. Sure. The, the first one is just about the Jets that obviously you you don't cover, but you're you're with day in and day out. Just how good is this Jets team? You obviously alluded to how fun they are but and exciting, but just how good do you think this team can be? Yeah, I think this team has a lot of potential. Um, I mean, we thought that last year too, and like the second half of the season obviously didn't 
didn't go well. This is the team that ever since 2018, I think, has always been seen as being on the cusp of, okay, so they got to the Western uh, Conference Finals. So now it's, okay, so this is going to be their year. And they just haven't been able to put it together for a variety of reasons. Obviously, we've seen a lot of turnover when it comes to their roster as well and and key pieces that have that have left. But this group is... I'll be honest, has really has kind of surprised me for it. I didn't know what to expect um, going into this season based on the way that things ended last year, some of the changes that they made, the departure of Blake Wheeler, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you've brought in some new pieces, what's going to uh, what's going to happen around here. Also, I mean, if you think about it, even though there's so much stability, it seems in the roster now in terms of contracts and and looking longer term at the beginning of the season, we didn't know if Mark Shifley was going to be traded, if Connor Hellebuck was going to be. And so it, it's hard to believe that that was only a couple of months ago <laughs> because a couple of months ago, you didn't know what was going to happen. Um, this team has really... Uh, when you look at their last stretches has really bought into the style of play that Rick bonus and his coaching staff have tried to get them that tried to get them to play last year, trying to get them to do it. And it just seems like now it's finally sinking mm-hmm. in, but they are seeing that you can have success while playing this way. And I just, I also, you just walk in and we never truly, none of us truly know what goes on in the dressing room. Cause we're not in there every day. So, but I will say that the app, the feeling around that dressing room feels different. Like it okay. just, it feels, it feels lighter. It feels as if there's a good, really good camaraderie between the group. And the, so they're playing, they're having success. They're playing um, as a group really well. They're playing really connected. And I think that there's no doubt that they have the talent. They've always had that. It's about putting it together. So they're, would they be a third of the way through the season? Now, quarter of the way through, quarter yeah. of the way through. Yeah. We're, uh, I think it's a third. Talking. I think third. We're, we're close. Third, yes. I think we're th- close to it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And so we'll go with that. So <laughs> a third <laughs> of the way, a third of the way um, through. So, I mean, there's still obviously a, a lot to go, but you see all the signs. You see the way that the new players that came over in that Dubois trade, the way that they have been able to fit in uh, when healthy <laughs> for it. Um, and you just, you see, you just see everybody pulling in the same direction. So I think that we didn't always necessarily see that in the past. If they can continue to do that, do I think that they can make a, a deep run this year? For sure I do. And you look with Connor Hellebuck playing the way that he is in net right now as well. He's always, he's your best starting point for everything and going out from there. So I think this team this team is certainly a lot of fun to watch. I think this team has a lot of potential. So it'll be great going down the stretch when we get into March and April. It sounds like I know you like Ted Lasso. It sounds like they believe I can. I, can... I love Ted Lasso. Oh, who doesn't <laughs> love Ted Lasso? Is, is Rick... <laughs> maybe that's maybe Rick. That's what I would say. Rick Bonus is the Ted Lasso. There you go. Of, of the world. Only he knows a lot about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Ted was going more wasn't really up there with the with his football knowledge but <laughs> yeah exactly um okay last question and uh, this is a bit of a fun one uh Sarah so if if t- tomorrow Gary Bettman resigns and and ordains you as the new commissioner of <laughs> I don't want it of I the don't NHL don't <laughs> no, no you don't have to take it just I don't like one... to be booed no Alex I don't want it <laughs> just just for one day what rule would you change in the NHL 
Oh dear. What rule would I change? Um, oh, it's a good question. What, um, what would I change? I don't know what rule I would change. Um, now all of a sudden I'm blanking on every single you rule. Get, there's a lot of reviews. I, well, don't get me started. I'd put time. I would put a clock on the review. Okay. Do, let me do that. Cause there is nothing. I am all for getting the call, right? And this exists in any sport. If you have to take it though, frame by frame <laughs> by frame, I just think that at some point with there's like, say for the offside, right? There is the blatant offsides that we've seen, which is why your ability, exactly the, why this rule came into effect anyways. But if you're having to go, the mentioned slowly frame by frame, and we're talking five minutes that you're sitting there looking for it, that's ridiculous. There still has to be, there is going to be human error in the game. There just is, and there should we should allow for some of it. It's just that you want to take the blatant ones out, but there's nothing that ruins the momentum and the vibe in an arena more than when you're just sitting and waiting and waiting. And again, if you can't see easily, then uh, I think you just, you let it go and, and you live with the consequences. Cause that's just the way that sports, that sports goes sometimes. So, but with that being said, again, I don't want to be commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> Your your first degree is to resign. That's that's, that's right, it. exactly. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you giving the t me the time and coming on the show. Anything you want to just plug for you know? I think uh, for the Jets and um, just all the stuff you do. Well, thanks. As I mentioned, I mean, the, our biggest things would be um, runway, home ice. Uh, Jamie Thomas, who uh, works with Gru as well, has Ground Control, which is the Winnipeg mm -hmm. Jets podcast, which is in video format this year, which I think adds so much. I don't know about you, but I love yeah. being able to um, not. I'm a huge podcast person, but I love to be able to see it because Jamie breaks down laughing on a very regular basis. And there's something to me that's that much more contagious and enjoyable about it when you can see the reaction as well. Uh, but our, they mentioned our YouTube page has all of these, um, all of these features on it. And so really suggest people give it, give it a chance. You can learn uh, about the players and the team and follow along as well. And would love to hear feedback from from your listeners and from you as well when watching it as to what you like or what you'd like to see more of. And hopefully again, we'll be able to help create a little bit, um, increase that connection between fans and, and this team so that they know a little bit more about the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, uh, exactly. And uh, well, I hope, uh, you know, they go deep and then maybe win a cup and maybe you have a, there's a Sarah Oleski ring and, or your name engraved on the cup. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for, uh, for the and next year. Wow, it's, I just want the parade. I want. I'm gonna host the parade. I want to be. <laughs> I want to be hosting the coverage of a parade. Do, yeah. yeah, watching how great the um, Blue Bombers parade was when they won back in 2019. I really, I would love to be able to see that because that was incredible. To see the turnout for it. I can only imagine if the Winnipeg but... Jets were able to win the Stanley Cup and bring it home. What it would be like at Portage and Maine and and down the route. So. That's that's on the goal. Maybe that's next on my on my bucket list items to be able to uh, be a part of a broadcast for uh, Stanley Cup parade. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and, and sharing a bit about yourself.
Oh, thanks so much. Hopefully we can do this again in the future. Of course.